0: So if you live in Britain, you may well have seen um, nonsense like this. British Muslims are disenfranchised at every level. This is from The Big Issue, which is sold by um, scum and villains. Um, People on the street, generally. Uh, Yes, it's normally people with a criminal record that can't get proper jobs. Um, Not every single person. You know, I'll make lot sure to time. give them a
1: wide berth next time I'm walking down the street.
0: But yes, uh, this, this is basically just propagandic nonsense because actually Muslims in Britain, um, we have bent over backwards to accommodate them to a degree that I don't think is healthy for anyone involved whatsoever, especially the native population. So a great example of that is this ridiculousness. So a GP was suspended for asking a Muslim woman to remove veil um, but he's been allowed to go back to work. How how benevolent and kind. So the story is a GP who was suspended after asking a Muslim woman to remove her veil has been allowed to return to work amid NHS staff shortages. So it wasn't that they made a mistake. It's just that we need you. We got rid of you, but we realised that actually you're important. Um, Dr. Keith uh, Wolverson, who was working at a, a, a locum, at a, a walk-in centre at Royal Stoke University Hospital, asked a patient to take off her niqab three times as he could not hear her describing her daughter's symptoms. I don't know why she couldn't have just spoken up. up. Yeah. Use your lungs, woman. Um, But yes, clearly there was a good reason for him asking. He was concerned, clearly. about. I want
1: to help you. Please help me to help you. (laughs) Racist!
0: He was suspended for nine months after being found guilty of or admitting a total of 17 charges of misconduct relating to incidents between January and May 2018 while working um, at an urgent care centre in Derby and Stoke. Um, Although he recently... Too up north for me. Um, Although he recently told a review um, hearing, he deeply regretted the episode and had learned from his mistake. The Medical Practitioner Tribunal Service decided to follow his suspension with um, sanctions for a further year after ruling he had not shown sufficient insight into his actions nor taken a course in cultural diversity
1: but he's here a, we are we're always hearing about shortages in the nhs mm-hmm. but we're more than willing to s- take nine month suspension for a man who is pretty urgently needed according to all the news reports i see mm-hmm. because he's not taken a course in cultural diversity and is trying too hard to help the patients that come through his door but you haven't heard all of it quite yet because oh it's about to get a lot more Orwellian
0: in here. Oh, brilliant. Uh, the GP will now be assigned a responsible officer and a workplace reporter um, to monitor him and he was told he must design a personal development plan to address equality, diversity and inclusion with particular reference to cultural diversity. What, so, so How what, about you stick that right up your woke ass? So what That's he, my view on what,
1: it. What he needs to do next time... Sorry, if you can't understand this woman... Just let her die. This is the diverse and equitable solution. Why help
0: these people then if you're going to be humiliated like this and made to do these stupid things? And punished. Things? Yes.
1: Sorry, you want to help people. You, you thought that being a doctor, you'd be allowed to help people. No, you just need to be diverse at people.
0: Mm-hmm. Dr. Wolverson told the tribunal it would be completely wrong to maintain the suspension and prohibit a doctor further from doing his duty to his patients when there is such a grave shortage within the NHS currently
1: well, there you go. How do you argue against that when they go, well, no, actually, we'd prefer people to die as long as they're not having people be insensitive to them. <laughs> government
0: unintentionally supports dying minorities. I mean, this is the, the law of unintended consequences here. You know, if doctors are being struck off for trying to help Muslim women, then what you're going to get is more sick Muslim women.
1: Is the, Great work. Is, is the conservative government secretly supporting a course of eugenics here? What's going on? <laughs> I, I guess so.
0: It's the only explanation, Harry. So it gets much worse than this. Um, this is absolutely insane to me. It made me so mad, in fact. Father who beat daughter because he thought she was meeting a boy spared jail uh, after mercy plea. You think, okay, maybe the, you know, beating your children, I think this is evil and wrong. You know, It couldn't be more egregious that you're mistreating a child. you you should be protecting them and and looking after them, not beating them. This is third world nonsense. Um, But the actual details of this are just sickening. So a father who battered his 15-year-old daughter with an iron bar after accusing her of secretly planning to meet a boy on the morning of her GCSE English exam has been spared jail. Um, Hussein Alindsay, 59, a delivery driver, attacked the teenager after dropping her off at school early and discovering the gates were still locked. The father of seven berated her for wearing makeup and accused her of secretly plotting to meet a boy ahead of her exam. It later emerged she was only wearing makeup to cover the bruises sustained in a previous attack by her father. Oh, that's awful. What a monster. And he's spared jail. He should be deported. Not, you know, just saying, oh, it's just a slap on the wrist. You're fine.
1: No. Well, that's the funny funny thing, isn't it? It turns out that if you import third world populations, all of a sudden you get third world culture. Mm -hmm. And people say that, oh, well, if we remove them from the culture originally, then they'll be able to assimilate. No, culture as a term is so wibbly wobbly and indefined that it makes no sense because what culture actually is when you consider it is the aggregate behavior of certain groups of people. And if you just take them out of the area that they were performing that behavior in and put them onto a different area, a different geographical area, the magic soil will not all of a sudden change their behaviour. In fact, what you'll find is that they will continue that behaviour, especially if you put no pressure on them whatsoever to change it, for instance, by not giving them jail sentence for brutally beating their children.
0: If this were a a white Briton doing this, they almost certainly would have done prison time, and rightly so. Yes, absolutely they should have. And yeah, it's obvious that they're just letting him off. with You know, beat her on a couple of occasions, once with an iron bar. That's vile. I I mean, I'm trying to keep my composure here, but this sort of thing makes me absolutely furious. As it should. So it's also worth mentioning as well that uh, we have this. This is the Bank of England website, and it's saying, what is Islamic finance? And of course, this is the fact that the Bank of England... um, Here we are. I'm going to scroll down. Um, Here we are. So... The Bank of England has accommodated for Sharia law in Britain by having its own separate sort of Sharia division, if you will. So, Have it's,
1: I not been consistently told that Sh- Sharia law is something that England would never accommodate? And it was a conspiracy theory that anybody would be held to those standards on these isles. I mean,
0: you can't trust the Bank of England, so maybe they're lying. I mean, I think the entire thing should be abolished, but that's just me. But... It says, Islamic finance is a way to manage money that keeps within the moral principles of Islam. It covers things like savings, investing, and borrowing to buy a home. The moral principles many Muslims live their lives by are something known as Sharia. So um, you may hear Islamic financial services described as Islamic finance or Sharia compliance. I mean, they're explicitly saying it, aren't they? Islamic finance is based on a belief that money shouldn't have any value in itself. It's just a way to exchange products and services that do have a value. I mean... That's That's actually that's not true. Is it? Pretty Bob on. Yeah,
1: (laughs) (laughs) they've been reading their Rothbard.
0: Yeah, well, at at least the Muslims are based on fiat currency.
1: I'm I'm just imagining (laughs) Muhammad like flipping through Man, State, and Economy and Mm. just taking notes. Very clever. Never mind the
0: historic anachronisms. This definitely happened. Obviously. Linked to this um, way of thinking about money is the idea you shouldn't make money from money. This means that wherever possible, getting involved in interest by either paying or receiving it should be avoided. Another important idea that underpins Islamic finance is that you shouldn't cause harm. For that reason, um, Islamic financial services should not invest in things like alcohol, tobacco, and gambling. Um, And it also carries on, and this is worth mentioning just for my integrity's sake anyone can use Islamic finance products and services. You don't have to be a Muslim. So if you want to use the service, And you're not a Muslim, you're more than welcome to.
1: Unsurprisingly, Um, Islamic finance sounds like it's mainly gatekeeping against excessive usury. It is, yes. Which Um, honestly sounds quite sensible for most people because most people are not financially savvy enough to avoid excessive usury mm -hmm. if presented with it by slick advertisers.
0: Yeah, and... I think that actually some of the principles here aren't really that bad. It's saying we don't want to make money from alcohol, tobacco and gambling. You know, fair enough. Um, and also you shouldn't be able to generate profit from just having money. You've got to got work to get it right.
1: Got so these aren't necessarily
0: things. bad principles. But the principle that is bad is that the British people should have to accommodate for this sort of thing. Why are we instituting Sharia in the first place? Why has this been done? Surely this is an, a, a form
1: of indiscretion, right, on, on the British people to a certain extent. I mean, this is always the contradiction of multiculturalism. Multiculturalism mm-hmm. presents itself as though it's going to be a wonderful melting pot of cultures all combining to and synthesizing to create an alchemic mix of something brand new, mm-hmm. when in fact all it means is segregated cultures grinding harshly against one another, where the majority population has to accommodate for everything that is completely unnatural to them.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Absolutely. So
0: I wanted to move on to this, which is something that um, we tend to talk about in a colloquial sense, but there's not often that much in the concrete sense to talk about. So this is a tweet thread from Sam Lowry Esquire on, on Twitter, um, who's someone that um, follows me and I follow. Um, I think he has a sub stack as well, if you want to check that out. Um, But of course, this isn't the real Sam Lowry because uh, he is a character in that film that we covered that the name escapes. Brazil. That's the one, that country.
1: The real Sam Lowry is currently escaped into his own mental fortress, which Mm -hmm. is somewhere I wish that I could also escape to.
0: But I thought this was really interesting because it's sort of an inside view into um, the, the Islamic property and sort of small business market. And he says, Sharia law and the UK property market. Uh, many people recognize that there is now an alien system running parallel with English law in this country. Most assume it largely relates to marriage and divorces. Um, the costs of benefits aside, oof. Um, they probably think it has uh, little to do with them in their world, but this is not so. And there is a threat to the country's very fabric. There are many ways Sharia threatens our way of life. But one um, is that I am now running across Um, all the time relates to property. Uh, Where was I? Um, In fact, I'll scroll down here. Um, My small business has several tenanted commercial properties. Many are in the industrialized midlands and take the form of fast food units or convenience stores. It's a murky market where, despite all the government's tiresome money laundering requirements, you never really know exactly who is actually running the business in occupation. They have about 50 cousins, by which I assume they mean they go to the same mosque and the ridiculous lies, I get told, are quite laughable. They entirely bypass the provisions of English law, do side deals on handshakes, um, kind of based actually, and run roughshod over landlord and tenant law and the laws required of contract. I've heard of Chinese takeaways that don't pay VAT on principle, also kind of based. Um, Other won't pay um, insurance that is defined in the lease. Why not? Because they have no respect for English law. They have just agreed some dodgy deal between Cousins and half-cousins that entirely ignores the lease in place. Now, at the moment, um, these breaches can largely be rectified in court at a cost. But no matter that, this dark market is undermining the secondary commercial property market. And it leaves me thinking, whatever country in the world will tolerate this BS. Um, why are we supposed to? I'm sick of it.
1: It's interesting this that's brought up here because it marks out a point that I've been convinced of recently. Uh, which actually counters the Duma argument that I see mm-hmm. coming from certain sides of the right, where they say that England is lost forever. The demographic shifts that have happened can never be reversed. Now, we've got too many people and we'll never be able to shift such a large population. Whereas actually, when you look at the facts on the ground, most of these people have no connection to this land. They have no historical connection to it. Whether or not the government is trying to propagandize us that they do have a historical connection here, they know that it's BS and they know that they don't actually. So they have no sentimental ties to this land. The only reason that many of them are here are because of the economic benefits like this that they can get from the UK government, not just in form of handouts and social housing like we see with the Somalian population, but also these business agreements where they just don't have to adhere to the same laws as (laughs) the rest of us. All it would take is some enterprising faction to come into the government, and without even doing anything, you wouldn't even need all of the fiery rhetoric you wouldn't need some firebrand to come in and say we need to clear them out all you would need is somebody to say what we're going to do is apply the laws fairly and equally and all of the regulations i know this is going to hurt you but you've got to be utilitarian about some things we're going to apply the regulations that are already in place equally across all businesses all of a sudden without the benefits that they receive without the excuses and little handouts that are made for them, you would get a mass migration out of the country because all of these benefits they're receiving would be taken away. They would suddenly have to operate to the laws and they would not be able to have all of the shady goings-on behind the scenes, mm-hmm. which is the only reason that they're here in the first place because most of the money they make is being sent back to their home countries anyway. Yeah, well, the fact that
0: they're avoiding you know, VAT and taxes and all that sort of stuff, I mean, I believe taxation is theft, but... At the same time, when a population that's hostile to the dominant culture in Britain is getting these privileges when I don't, it makes me kind of annoyed and
1: a bit jealous, actually. I, I again, want to not pay tax. All it would take is the fair and even administration of all of these rules. That is a fair point, yeah. And most of these people would leave because the only reason that they're here is because they receive these financial benefits in the first place. My,
0: my general hatred of rules will have to be swallowed because that is a good idea, to be fair. I want say
1: you wouldn't need to be branded any sort of ism or phobe at all, you just need to say, hey, I am a believer in the law and these laws should apply fairly and you can't really make a principled or reasonable argument against that. You, just, you should just
0: take the approach of saying, I am the law and, and do what you want.
1: Yeah, megacity one, here I come.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so another thing that's worth mentioning as well is that um, there are exceptions for the humane treatment of animals um, this is something that I care about. I mean, I'm not a vegetarian or anything, but if I buy meat, I make sure it's, you know, organic, nice meat. Um, Free range. Yes, you know, you get good quality. You, you get what you pay for. if
1: it's been treated well mm-hmm. in its life.
0: Exactly, and you can have, you can eat it without any guilt because you're like, it had a reasonably good life. It wasn't in a factory farm. It's fine. So, you know, I'm, I'm not being some weirdo hypocrite here, but here we have the RSPCA, talking about um, a means of slaughtering animals in Islam. So it says current UK law requires animals to be stunned before slaughter so they don't feel pain. However, exemptions are allowed um, that permit non-stun slaughter for religious purposes, i.e. Muslim and Jewish communities. And yeah, I, I think that stunning an animal so it doesn't feel pain is a good idea. And I think that if you don't do that, you're a barbarous monster. You are inflicting unnecessary pain. We have the technology, the means to make sure that they aren't in pain when they're killed. And you're just going to be like, no, my my stupid book says that I've got to cut its throat and let it bleed out.
1: We're not just stewards of the landscape in England. We're stewards of these beautiful animals. And part of that responsibility means not causing unnecessary suffering to them.
0: Yes, And uh, I I know it's a bit wishy-washy for lotus eaters, but it's still important. And um, yes, I care about animals. I think everyone else should do. I mean, um, I might not be a Christian, but the biblical notion of stewardship over the land, I think is a very powerful one and a very good, compelling case. And I think we should all embody that mindset. So another thing that's worth mentioning is the 2021 census. And there are some gems in here that um, just demolish the notion that Islamic migration is at all useful to Britain, so first and foremost, here we have um religion by housing tenure, England and Wales, so socially rented is the the thing. This is like social housing, um council housing, meaning free houses from the government um which um
1: yeah, they often don't take care of and will complain at the fact that they've got black mould conditions that they could clean themselves.
0: Yes, black mold spray is about one pound twenty five um can't do it. I've used it to clean my shower recently. It's quite easy. Um, it's remarkable how easy it is. Um, yeah, you spray it on and you just leave it and then wipe it off later. Um but anyway, here we have uh, Muslims clearly look at look at the comparison between Sikhs and Muslims there. Um, you know, similar neck of the woods, sort of, you know, obviously Sikhs more Indian, but a tiny amount of social housing compared to the massive amount of social housing. The Islamic world has, I think actually that it was something like 26, 27% of all Muslims in the UK. So over a quarter of them are in council houses. Why?
1: As I've covered recently as well, if you go more specific into the uh, breakdown of the populations of (laughs) the Somalis in London and the UK, 72% of them are in social housing.
0: There's no reason for them to be here, then, no, is there?
1: Absolutely not. They are pure drain on resources that this country is already increasingly hemorrhaging.
0: Mm-hmm. And on to the next one um, religion by um, occupancy rating of bedrooms, England and Wales. Um, so this is, again, Islam right at the top. So I think that this is. So this is overcrowding in homes? Yes. And uh, it's absurd. Like th- this is worth mentioning because this is um, giving credence to that stereotype that um, the Islamic world—they, you know—they get one foot in the door, they get one boat person here who manages to get a council and house, and they bring
1: the entire family over.
0: Yeah, you got auntie's uncles, second cousins, and his wife. Well,
1: I, mean. there, uh, do, I know in America they've had them a few times, but are the naturalisation laws that we have here that allow them to do that? I believe that's what Italy is planning on doing as well, with the uh, almost half a million visas that they're introducing to allow non-EU migrants. It certainly makes it easier. They, they it's, it's going to it mu- multiplies by an immense factor the amount of people who come over. You grant one visa for one person, and then you say. But also you can bring your family over and you've got 20 extra people coming with them.
0: Yeah, I mean, the Middle East is basically going to be empty. It's going to be... So we can take it back, boys. It's going to be a deserted desert. Get your shorts and boots on.
1: We're getting it back.
0: (laughs) We're going to have so much sand.
1: (laughs) We'll do better with it than they do.
0: (laughs) So here's another one. Um, Religion by economic activity. And uh, yeah, economically inactive... The The highest category, again, is Muslim and um, the, the lowest I- employee rate as well and about comparable level of self-employment, I suppose.
1: Also, re- remember that uh, that probably won't take into account the illegal jobs that they'll take on, mostly of course, as delivery yeah. drivers. Mm-hmm. Un- unironically, that is what most of these people will be doing off the books.
0: Mm-hmm. And uh, Connor pointed out this to me that a lot of this, and and they say this themselves. Um, It says, among people who identified as Muslim, the group with the highest percentage of economic inactivity, um, 16.1% were looking after home or family, and 13.8% were students compared with 5.8% and 7.3% of the overall population respectively. So that is uh, the sort of uh, trad wife lifestyle. Mm -hmm. Although I think that a lot of the time, This is just more people, you know, if, if we're bringing them in purely for economic terms, which I don't agree with, I don't agree with the premise, but that's the justification given to us by the regime, then why are we getting people from parts of the world where only half of them are economically productive? I mean, look at Christians and non-religion, Jewish people, Hindus, Sikhs, they're all of, and Buddhists as well. They're all of sort of comparable levels of economic productivity, aren't they?
1: Yeah and this is a really important point to hammer constantly as well because one of the justifications that we constantly see for mass migration having to come in for all of these economic benefits is the low late uh, low rates of unemployment that we have in this country it's something like 3.6% which they always bang on about being uh, record lows they do not take into account economic inactivity in those figures they rarely like to acknowledge them in the first place because economic inactivity means that well, you're not working, you're not actually contributing to the economy, but you're not unemployed technically because you have some excuse for it, like you're looking after family members. Mm-hmm. And that means that we can have these ridiculous rates on every single one of those uh, one of those categories there. We have ridiculous levels of economic inactivity mm-hmm. within those populations, which means that we have a ridiculous number of dependents who are dependent either on their own family members for economic stability or the state in the first place
0: it's so, also um uh, sorry to interject but it's also worth mentioning some of these people will have severe disabilities and we, we don't mean to you know rake them over the coals no. because that's it's, it's entirely its own thing and you know i, I have immense sympathy for people in that sin- situation that, but, but that's sorry true, do but right. they
1: aren't going to make up all of them and not no. including all of the people who don't have disabilities but are maybe just slacking off they're at university etc the people who are economic drains on the country Not including them in unemployment means that they're fudging the numbers.
0: Yeah, well, this is what the government does. They say, look, the numbers are good, even though your eyes tell you that the situation has got worse. This is true of lots of things. It's why crime went down under Tony Blair, because he changed how crime was measured. Crime got worse. He just fudged the numbers, as he said. And mysteriously, he's just like, look at this miracle. I have solved crime. Never mind that man stealing your purse, woman. Yeah,
1: you feel twice as unsafe walking down the street as you're used to, but things are getting better. Things can only get better.
0: But the paper says you're not going to get mugged. Well, And the final one is this. Um, religion by highest level of education qualification, England and Wales. And uh, look at uh, n- the number of no qualifications the the Muslim world basically, isn't it? That's, mm. that's quite high. Sikhs um, there but also they're also working quite a lot as we could see from the previous graph so that they might be working in areas where you don't necessarily require qualifications so it's not as big a deal but they're disproportionately not working compared to other religions and there's a disproportionate amount they're basically the least qualified group um, or religion should i say in britain so why are we bending over backwards to accommodate for them It doesn't make any sense to me like this economic argument even if you look at the government's own data doesn't make sense i mean i would i would argue that mass immigration is a a net economic negative by a significant margin it's just that the way they measure the economics allows them to fudge it
1: well there's the excellent graph that you've not got included in here but uh, maybe somebody could bring it up in the editing afterwards i can send it through Um, from the economist which shows that if you're going to take proportion the actual Uh, populations of migrants into the UK and separate them into their origin, the only population that is of any economic benefit to the country at all is, I think, mainly Denmark. Hold on, Danes. Denmark and (laughs) EU migration, but Denmark in particular, the rest of them, especially non-EU migration, is all ages, an economic drain on the country.
0: Well, at least Denmark, you're making up for all those Viking invasions thousands of uh, thousand years ago or so. Thank you very much. It's about time. <laughs> Your reparations, I think you're, you're safe from that now. But yes, um, I, I think that this is something worth pointing out. Um, it's very frustrating. Um, of course, there's, there's so much burden on the UK taxpayer. We pay an absurd amount of money in tax to basically... Ha- fund these foreign mercenaries and i don't think that we necessarily need this and it would be much more helpful if this sort of thing were circulated because no one really looks at the data no one really evaluates it
1: by its merits they just say oh all these people are good or you can't judge everyone well and if you if you're in the political sphere and you want to do anything to stop it even and i'm not a liz trust supporter i think she's a babbling buffoon but She wanted to change the tax code so that the highest tax rate in England was 5% less than it is right now, which sounds like a minuscule change. She had her entire career destroyed, pulled out from under her just for wanting to change it by 5 percentage points. And then we had Rishi Sunak airdropped in to replace her, the establishment's man. Why would the elites get rid of someone who wanted to lower tax on them?
0: Hmm... What, what could that possibly be? It's not that there's some sort of left-wing infiltration of all the institutions, is it? Very strange. Control.
1: right control. Yeah, it
0: is, yeah. But uh, I'll leave that to, to sit with you, and it's just worth mentioning that, yes, um, we have bent over backwards for Islam for very little in return. And in fact, we've uh, had a lot taken from us, both our culture and money and resources and housing, all sorts of stuff, and uh, I wanted to point it out.
1: If you appreciated that segment from the podcast of the Lotus Eaters, you can go to lotuseaters.com to get access to all the premium contents on the site, such as the premium articles, this one on the SMP's failing war on biological reality, with an audio track for silver and gold tiers. If you'd like to find out what else is being put out, you can follow on Getter at lotuseaters underscore com on Getter. Thank you and goodbye.